It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Audio Frontier. We're back, it's Wrestling Daft The Mark, uh, we had a wee week off there, but we're back here to talk about the wrestling, here on From Labrador, weighing at £184, might be a bit more than that. Now I'm John, producer of Wrestling Daft, the host of this very show, with me a man bigger than a line of duty cliffhanger, see that's topical, uh, it's Big Alex. Can you explain to me what Line of Duty is? Is it oh, like uh, in no. Scotland or Glasgow? Because I see it on the headlines all oh. the time. I'm, in, I'm firmly in Alex's boat here where uh, because so many people are talking about it, I can't watch it anytime soon. Right, all right, so it's one, one, one of those ones that you're like, oh, it's really popular, so I'm just going to do the opposite and do that uh, whole It could be again. the greatest show ever, but because so many people have spoken about it, I know I'll hate it, so I'm like, I need to get a couple of years. Like, right, done it with Breaking okay. Bad, done it with like Breaking Bad, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a time for the hype to settle down. I just didn't know what it was. I mean, you're watching other things. You don't watch everything that comes on. And it's on BBC and stuff as well, isn't it? Yeah, BBC. By the way, it's mind-blowing to It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, get on it, boys. I know he's just trying to be cool. I'm like, oh, I don't like it because I'm only polis I want to watch on TV's Big Boss Man. <laughs> you know, Brooklyn uh, 99, I'd take that. I'd take that. You know, Andy Sandberg, he always tickles the fancy a little bit. Uh, not too sure about that. Uh, that man you heard just there is a man, and now this is very confusing to me, who's had a news article written about his opinion on Drew McIntyre's book. What? It's Gary uh, Cassidy. The uh, uh, writer of Inside the Ropes. Bizarre, bizarre stuff. So, um, all the past week, I've been doing my, you know, because like the past like month, I've not had many exclusives or anything like that, just because it's like if there's nothing to report, you don't report it. Otherwise, you're making up shit. Um, but obviously, I had my my son Cara interview, which I believe will be uh, will be putting not on this podcast, and also had a wee exclusive about Big Cash joining Impact before it happened. Uh, on something I'm sure we're going to talk about. <laughs> We've not spoke about it. Um, because we kind of have to this week, rebellion. because it's going to be crossover appeal. And, it's, and... it's pretty newsworthy, I think, is worth saying. Mm. Um, but, but just because I had data wee snippets, it was like, right, I'm just in the habit of checking to see who's backlinked my work. Uh, so it's always the, a, wee, a wee vanity search on Google and all that stuff. You Google your um, own name, Gary Cassidy. Just to just to get you know your backlinks. I never do it on Twitter because you'll just see horrendous comments about yourself. But I do it on uh, Google just to get backlinks. Right. Chuck them in a spreadsheet, and then you know who's done you know all I'm your just, coverage. I'm just doing. It's called Google. good journalism, John. Maybe you should. Uh, it. I'm just doing a Google on Gary Cassidy here. It's always you'll Twitter. Find, you'll find that he's a <laughs> Dr. Gary Cassidy works at Bath Spa University. Um, there's, there's a lot of dodgy ones as well, because there was a guy with my exact same name from Govan, which is in the corner for me, that recently got done for sexual assault, which was uh, no great. Brilliant. I was like, hopefully... So he's oh, yeah, just come across that one. He was yep. part of the Aye. speaking out movement. This is his official so, denial on this podcast, uh, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't a good... But the two things that I did find that surprised me, that wasn't it just, you know, the nice the nice people that are covering the stuff I've put out. One was one of my reviews of an album for uh, t- 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago, is now on Wikipedia as 
this album was critically acc acclaimed by Gary Cassidy of uh, Dead Press magazine or webzine. Uh, and I was like, right, that's a bit weird. And then a couple <laughs> of days later, I checked and someday his actual headline, I can't remember it word for word, but the headline is Drew McIntyre's book said to be a hit by Gary Cassidy. And I'm like, why is my name in that headline? And then I, I clicked it. I realised afterwards they've also misspelled his book's name and they've said a chosen density. Um, so that was good fun. But then I looked through it and their full article is about my opinions on his, his book, which it was because I wrote a review and then Drew re retweeted it. He's definitely an acceptable level of density moving forward. I don't think he's going to be against this. Good fun on that one where um, they just decided to write a news article, in my opinion, which I yeah. didn't think it was that worthwhile. Graves has done his own review of the book. Um, he uh, went straight to the glossary to see where it got mentioned. And I think he's only mentioned on one page of the book, so I think he wasn't too happy. No, he's actually, I noticed, uh, he's actually got a couple of mentions in it, because obviously I, wrote, I, I read through the full thing. So it's not just the bit that's in the glossary that links right. back to him. It gets a couple of wee mentions. Right, okay, okay. Is it, is it is Graham Steveley or Graham normally? No, just Grado. Just whoever's done he's the glossary has done a shit job. So, yeah, so whoever's done the glossary has done a shit job, basically. I wouldn't want to say that just in case I bury anybody. You know, I get sent a couple of free copies of the book. Um, but <laughs> you Actually, can say it. I don't mind you it. It's like, well, you have control F, you know, in, in, in Microsoft Word. So surely... Well, that was the, the godsend, uh, the godsend for me as the... Um, so obviously I, I bought a copy as well because when the, the autographed ones went up, I was like, grab one of them for the collection. And then I got, um, oh, would you like to be sent like a free copy? I, of course. So I get sent a free physical copy of it. And then thankfully, because it would have been a complete pain in the arse if not, but thankfully get sent the PDF of it as well. So I could just copy and paste in the re relevant quotes for writing my article on it. I was like, right, there we go. How much, uh, how much uh, an effort would that have been to write and type? I'll type everything out for the book. So I could read. 300 odd pages if anybody wants to read it. There you go. And it's will get several mentions as opposed to just the one that he thought he <laughs> Maybe had. Maybe no several, like two, nah, two or three. <laughs> I'll let him know because he'll be delighted with that. Um, so yeah, we were off for a week, so quite a bit's happened since we, we didn't speak about the releases. We missed the whole releases. Just uh, I thought we were going to get away from it because we covered it last year and here we are again. I know, a year later. Um, Gary, just quickly, the I mean, obviously Samoa Joe is the one that everyone's talking about, but aside from Samoa Joe, who do you think is the biggest loss? I'm not sure about biggest loss, because I always say that Nabdi's irreplaceable in WWE, but I think in terms of biggest gains for other companies, um, a lot of people are pointing at Chelsea Green, and I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. I think that Iconic's going to impact in winning the Impact Knockout Tag Team Championships, and just their full, you know, their charisma, their comedy... I think they are somebody that, you know, if they go to Impact, they'll draw a lot of eyes. Um, so I think them... One do you not I think that they'd maybe go to AEW because of Peyton's link to Sean Spears? A lot of people mentioned that. I'm not too sure because that's at the same time people would say, you know, Chelsea Green's history and Matt Cardona being an Impact. I think she would be great for AEW. So I don't know. I'm, I, I, I think it is an obvious link to make and it probably is the easiest, you know, way of working it out, but... I'd love to see them in Impact, but I think the other one that actually interests me, and a lot of people, actually I should say Kalisto, I'd love to see him up against, you know, your Ray Phoenix or somebody else that can get a good match with him, but the other one that I find interesting, I don't think many people would name this guy Mojo Rawley, like he, he's never been anywhere apart from WWE, 
obviously it was great for WWE in terms of promotional stuff because it speaks, you know, um, speaks, I think, I can't remember. It speaks some um, some language that's far eastern. I think. I thought it you were going to say he speaks NFL, and I was like, no, well, he speaks NFL as well. I, but I'm sure it's Hindu he speaks. Right. Hindi, um, and they, I and um, and he's done a lot of stuff over in the far east. So any promotion that was looking to to expand into the far east, he'd be a great guy to bring in just for that. And also just the stuff he's done in the ring that as the wrestling moves. I think he's got a lot of charisma and. You know, we've seen it with Ty Conte. Sometimes if you've just been learning in WWE, we've not really seen your full potential. He could be one of them for me. But I think a lot of a lot of names that um like last year, wherever they go, we'll be we'll be talking about them next year as being brilliant. Samoa Joe, where does he go? AEW Impact. You I, have to I, go to one or either now though. Can you not tell technically go to both? Well, I, I think I think he's gonna be impact. And I think it's it's annoying because I think no, that it would be a waste because you know he's similar Joe, he's brilliant, he's going to be great wherever he goes. But I think it would be a bit of a waste because there's a lot of things I want to see him do elsewhere. That being said, Alex just said that he doesn't need to just go one place. Good brothers are going to be working in New Japan. He'd be somebody I'd love to see wrestling quite a lot of current people in New Japan. And then AEW, obviously, we're going to talk about it. But the current Impact champion is in AEW, so. <laughs> So a lot of a lot of scenarios and possibilities. One other place that you could mention Ring of Honor, but again, I'm not sure if that'd be where he would go. He's kinda had his time there, but it would still be brilliant if he went back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Exciting times ahead. Uh, we'll have more news and stuff a bit later on. But before we get to anything else in the podcast, it's that time of the show where we hand over to the comedy musings of Mr. Gary Cassidy and his joke of the week. So I've got two because we missed last week again. Oh, and just in just in case one doesn't land, you know, you never want to you never want to uh, end up getting caught out like I was a few weeks ago when I said a terrible joke. Um, because they're all great apart for that. So my first one is How many Vince McMahons does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know, Gary. How many Vince McMahons does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. The light bulb screwed light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, not bad. Another one, that one I did put on Twitter, so some people might have seen that, anybody that does follow me on Twitter. Um, but one that I've not put on there. Exclusive is... to Wrestling Daft. Yep. Knock, knock. Who's there? An interrupting Ric Flair. An interrupting Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Please send him home. No, send him home. Cancel the segment. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. Well done, Gary. Fantastic. Uh, no joke, no laughing matter, however, is that we have Sin Cara, aka Sinta de Oro, aka Hunico, on the show as Gary caught up with him this week. What did you chat about, Gary? Um, obviously, I had to ask him all about him becoming Sinta de Oro, and the most interesting part of that is the fact that he, I'm not sure if you remember this wee rumour that went about, but he actually appeared on a AAA show as Sin Cara after he was released. For That's WWE. right, yeah. A lot of people talking about, is he going to get sued and all that? So I asked him about that. Um, I asked him about becoming Sinta de Oro as well, just because obviously he was already, you know, it was Sin Cara after there was a Sin Cara. Now he's a Sinta de Oro after there's been a Sinta de Oro. So I asked him about that decision. And of course, what everybody wanted to know, I asked 
asked him about his backstage fights with uh, Chris Jericho, Sheamus, uh, and, and Simon Gotch and, and being sent to anger management. All of that, <laughs> and then fun stuff like, um, you know, just about Kalisto and about that amazing tag team elimination chamber match because he was in the very first one of them. Yeah. So I, a, a lot of WWE stuff. Brilliant guy. Um, annoyingly, unless you're watching the video version of this, you'll know see the brilliant part of it where he was wearing his Sin Cara mask, which would obviously have been a video disaster because people would need to hear my accent and decipher him behind a mask that covers his mouth. And then the second I introduced him, he pulled off his mask, but obviously was wearing another mask underneath it. Fantastic. So, <laughs> so you need to watch the video for that. No, absolutely. Um, you're very brave, but for a man that's you know, being in fights with the likes of Sheamus, Chris Jericho, Simon Gotch, and then turn up to ask him about those fights, knowing that he's had anger management. You're a very brave man, Gary, just as well you were sitting on the other side of a Zoom call. I, I was going to say, the kind of question I might not have asked if we were still doing in-person interviews, so brilliant uh, that, you know, I'll thank COVID for that one thing, getting to <laughs> ask the questions with a brave face is always good. Nice one. Uh, so we'll hear that interview in full a bit later on. Uh, we'll of course be burying and putting over stuff from the big shows with our tag team Rico and Bronze Chill, the new age Mark Laws. They'll be taking on Smackdown as we handle the rest of the shows. But first, ladies and gentlemen, it's back. It's time to cut a promo. I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Right, okay. Uh, this week I would like to talk about the hot dog conundrum. Now, the hot dog conundrum, uh, I don't know if you've ever come across this problem, gentlemen, but there is always a mismatch between hot dog rolls and the amount of hot dogs. It doesn't matter how, but there's always a mismatch between the number of hot dog rolls or finger rolls that you get versus hot dogs. So generally you get a packet of six finger rolls, but generally in hot dogs, there's usually about eight, or in some cases, you might only get four. So there's a complete mismatch in the ratio. Can I uh, just say I've never had this experience before? Because the really? hot dogs I buy come in a pack of six. But I thought you actually meant it like um, like a buffet or something. I was going to say it's normally because pricks like me take one bun and two hot dogs. But no, 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 but no, so what hot dog, if you don't mind me asking, I know it's a very personal question, Alex, but... It's one of the big, they're coming a big tall jar, I tell yes. you by them because, sorry? Yes, I, I'm aware of that, is it, oh, is it a German? Um... No, it's an American one, I believe, and they come right. in six, they're like big six, they're a six big pack, and their now, jars are very good too. Do you find a substantial role to, to fit said hot dog that comes in a packet of six? yeah. The ones in Tesco, you get the finger rolls that come in six, do you not? Yes. Right, okay. That's, 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 that's the mismatch. That's the two that I have. That's the right. ones that always that seems well, to come through. This is why I'm so confused that your entire argument. Yeah, I I think this I think you are you have found what I would say is like the holy grail there. Can I, can I tell you something that's worse, John? What? Do you know that they've stopped selling hot dogs in the German supermarkets in the UK? So you can't get hot dogs in Little and Aldi. Why is that? But I don't know. They've just stopped selling them. It's it's madness. I'm very disappointed. No, oh, that can't be true. It is. Go and have go and ask them. So instead, you can go and buy like weird German like different types of things that were very similar to hot dogs, but aren't actually hot dogs. Like frankfurters. Yes, ones that contain more meat or than your average hot dog. Which I won't make any bad puns about that. Please do, please do. Now's the time. Now's the yeah, time. so I, but as a Frank first, not just a hot dog. Amanda, I thought that was just a hot dog. No, it's, it's a less processed. Uh, I was going to say it's a, 
It's it's a nice high quality meat sausage rather than hot dogs, which are pretty much aye, <laughs> like pigs all season and all that kind of. Right, thing. okay, well maybe I'm cut. I'm cutting a promo <laughs> on the wrong thing here because Alex, please send me those details because I have struggled for years with this of finding the exact ratio of hot dog to finger roll because the finger rolls always come in packets of six, well hot dogs only come in eights. Right, okay. This when is I'm a, in Tesco it, next, John, I will send you photos. Thank or, you, Ben. You will be proved th- th- right this, is, this time um, next week. I will admit my shame that I've actually been wrong this entire time. So th- This is the worst promo ever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> So uh, every week on the marks, we like to go back and look at the shows of what happens during the week. Uh, myself, I do NXT. Alex does AEW. Gary does Raw, and we have our tag team of listeners, Bronze Chill and Rico, who handle off SmackDown for us. How you doing, gents? Happy to be back. Good. Yeah. Good to be back uh, and in the saddle, getting to watch wrestling. We were talking about just we we're talking about the releases at the start of the show, guys. Um, what did you make of the releases? And you know, who do you think is going to go on and do the bigger, the biggest thing out of that? Samoa Joe. Yeah, it's got to be like I, that's it's like criminal that he was let go. But I read someone saying that uh, one of the most ideal scenarios you could have is Kenny Omega you know, bragging about having won uh, the Impact World Championship and, you know, he'll take on all comers and out comes Samoa Joe. There's a, that's a match that's set up straight away. Samoa Joe coming out to, you know, defend his, his old company's honour and all that. Um, but there's, yeah, there's loads of other guys who could, who could do well too. Um, yeah. Iconics. Uh, I can't remember who else. Got, who else I like got the way that you mentioned the exact same ones that we did. The three of these people. Yeah, well, Kalisto, Kalisto was uh, but I mean, he's a, I mean, on his day, he's pretty good, I would say. I quite enjoy Kalisto's work. It was superb, as it? it was Samurai Del Sol before reaching WWE, and it was absolutely, it was just the way Kalisto used to be in WWE when they got TV time. So, yeah, <laughs> so I am, I'm still, I keep saying it, and I'll keep saying it like until it happens. Him versus, um, him versus Ray Phoenix would be incredible. But so, I know that so, Brian Cage has already said they want, uh, or they've spoken for a while, but want to have a match, so. So, so none of us are really bigging up Tucky and his future career then. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I actually uh, think he's one that could. Uh, he's obviously an entertaining guy, and the match he had with Dolph Ziggler on SmackDown a couple of you know right before they broke them up was was pretty good. It's just that obviously we've not seen a lot of him, which mm. isn't his fault. So. Put him with big cast. Put him with big cast. Put him in impact. I mean, big cast is new thing. I mean, I, I've seen him, and the name Morrissey just makes me think that he's going after Morrissey, and he's going to be this really drab character. So they can be like this faction of really kind of like sad big guys. What's Cast calling himself an impact? Morrissey, he's double, double Morrissey, Morrissey, which is his real name. Um, but I, I believe it's not going to stay that way uh, because I think he's going to get a name change in Violent by Design, which is Eric Young's wee faction. But yeah, I think it's you know it's better than his name what it was because he was going by Kaz XL instead of big cast. Um, but I, I think I think he's going to get a name change. But the one thing is, I, I don't know what they'll call him. I'd quite like him to just be called like Big Morris, something like that, Shorten, like Morris. Big Morris makes him sound like he's going to be some kind of a, what's the word? Oh, 
uh, a Mormon. It just makes me think of the Mormon. <laughs> I quite like Morris seeing him just come down like a daffodil dancing to, you know, how soon as now. I think that would be a class move. <laughs> I had a Morrissey style character, it'd be a total heel as well. So it'll, it'll be it we are rib injury soon for uh, having a thorn in the side. Oh jeez. <laughs> Right, we're going to move on, Gary. You're honestly, you're on, you're getting close to a yellow card. Like, the referee. This. You gave him a joke segment. I know, I know. See the referee points round the pitch and say, let's get to that point where I'm saying, like, one more, one more, and it's a yellow card. Um, right, okay, let's get into it then. And obviously, it's a bit of a change because normally we start with Alex and AEW, but we've moved NXT to Tuesday night. The Wednesday Wars are no more. And now it's all about Tuesday nights, which is it's been all interesting. So because AEW won. Well, AEW, there's no no war really. I, I think is it not that kind of thing where it's like even if you're losing ten now, you go next goal's a winner, and then NXT <laughs> won the last one. So it's like ah, overall they won the full thing. We're all good. Well, since John's gone away, should we revert to normal order? And should I start on AEW when he's away? I, I think we can probably do that and just time. So so the first week, and we fail to do chronological order. Well done us. Well done. <laughs> Since we weren't here, I think we've all got to uh, last week. We'll just skip over last week and pretend it didn't happen. So um, in, w- in AEW anyway, <clears throat> I normally start by uh, talking about questions that I had, but it seems that this week the question has now become someone's actual name. So for those who didn't see, Trent now goes with a question mark, and it's actually quite satisfying hearing Justin Roberts say Trent when he's announcing him. So I'm, I'm all for that. And it reminds me of that old rock band Therapy, which I was always like, oh, I'm going to see that band Therapy. <laughs> it's like uh, it's the exact same name. I'm back, I'm back. You just started with AEW, have you? Yeah, we decided to, to be efficient. <laughs> well played, well played. And I mentioned you mentioned Therapy. I've just come back into this conversation. I love Screamager. That's a great album. <laughs> anyway, um, continue. Did, did anyone notice what Dax Harwood had on his socks? Dax Harwood had a pair of boobies on his sock during the Pinnacle promo, so we have to give him up for that. Like, he had a pair of boobies on his socks. I was like, yes, well done, Dax. That, that's a subtle, subtle little pair of socks there. I love it. I love it. Um, but that is going to bring me nicely on to Bury number one. So since we've been away for a few weeks, let's remind everyone that we don't actually talk about wrestling. We just talk about what they're wearing. So previously, I went on about how much I love Miro in a tracksuit. Nick Jackson, what the fuck is that? That is, it's, it looks like he has become the whitest rapper in the world. And then Matt standing behind him in like the world's shortest pair of jorts, like a pair of jorts that would literally ride all the way up John Cena's man crack and disappear. So I'm, I'm unsure what those guys are going for, but it's definitely going to get them a boo when they come back out. So that's probably some good heel work. And I'm just going to. Did get... you see that the, there was a big Twitter uproar about their trainers? I don't know if you've seen that. I did. Nope, I saw I this. Yeah. Yeah. So they're wearing some um, some what looks like limited edition Nike trainers, which someone went to the effort of uh, measuring the the bottom of the kind of curve of the Nike tick on that and the real ones, and figured out that they're wearing fake Nike trainers. <laughs> so, almost have... as if they didn't know what to spend like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on trainers for a gimmick. But it's almost as if they can afford them because they make hundreds and hundreds of dollars because of the clothes that they sell because of their gimmicks. So that's you can also both way around, you know. And I mean, I, sure- I do want to see the um, the label on MGF scarf. Just for oh, did, did anyone see there was a Reddit post where someone essentially found half of Seth Rollins's most recent attires in a Macy's? I think it was, which you know is I think it's like an American version of Primark, is it not? 
Yep, you can also get them on ASOS. Quite a few on ASOS. Oh, boohoo man. Well, mind you, he's, yep. a, new, he's, man, a, dad, said, he's yeah. got a new baby in the house. He needs to be frivolous with his money. So Absolutely. It's, it's a wise idea. Let's get the berries out of the way. So I thought we were going to see great things from this young man, but did anyone catch Hook's attempts at, re- at uh, worked kicks? It was it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. <laughs> it was quite shockingly bad, but I kind of hope that they take him away and put him back into the Cody Rhodes Nightmare Family factory, whatever it is now, and leave him there until he can work a proper worked kick. But it's a bit bit harsh, but unfortunately it's fair. I think there's a reason he's not wrestled that match yeah, yet. I, I don't think he's quite ready Hopefully. Um, now, I was going to kind of, my actual worry was going to be potentially be that they're maybe booking MJF and Jericho slightly bigger than their factions, but I've contradicted myself because my two pullovers are about to be wrestlers from those factions that aren't MJF or Chris Jericho. So pullover number one, we finally heard Wardlow speak and he actually spoke quite well. I think we have heard him speak before, but never like properly or he's never been kind of past the mic from MJF. I thought he held his held himself really well and yeah I think it speaks a lot that he's really living up to that potential because he was you could argue he was one of AEW's first kind of green talents they put onto the screen and his development has been fantastic so 10 points to Wardog. Secondly I've also got to give this by far promo of the night Mr Ortiz with an absolute fire promo like absolutely terrific promo that was just half joking half taking the piss completely kept in his character as well they should really give him the mic more personally i'm surprised we don't see him more like i know that sometimes they've could have used him to kind of add a bit of a dry perspective onto the end of some of jericho's promos similar as they've done with hager in the past but it was nice to see him finally with, with the mic what was it he said he said something about mitch yeah that's what it was he said that it was funny that you were waiting around until you got a crew some would call that smart but I would just call that bitch moves or something along that. It was proper kind of like gangster talk and just ripped them into him. And uh, match of the night has once again, as usual, it's just becoming a regular thing now. It's obviously the Darby Allen match because he's just pumping in every week. He's, I do like the way they are treating this TNT title, very similar to the TV title in WCW. Like it's consistently headlining the TV shows and it's consistently delivering pay-per-view quality matches. And I'd imagine we're going to be moving on to another Darby Sky slash Ethan Page rivalry after this. So, yeah, good week. Good week. He's, he's one of those guys for me that I think, um, and it was the same this week, where like when I look at that match, I'm like, I know it's going to be a good match, but I always think of the other person in the match first. And I always think of Darby Allen as just being a great character. Then he has a match and you're like, oh, no, he is actually good in the ring as well. Yeah, <laughs> like you always forget how good he is. And he won with the Last Supper again. I, like, I think he's the only person who has just a pinfall as a finisher and he makes it work really well. And I really like it, personally. So. Yeah. Good. Good. More power to Darby. Let's move on to NXT this week. We're kind of, we're at the, we've had a refresh. We've had a refresh. Slipknot have gone from the start and now we have Poppy and new graphics at the start quite liked it actually I, I won't lie to you i quite liked the the new poppy theme for nxt do you mean that you does this mean that they're now officially are kind and that they're no longer trying to be the alternative emo kids and they're trying to engage with pop i guess it does i guess it does but i'm uh, a little bit worrying as a trend for nxt potentially moving forward though 
I'm not. I mean, but it's not hardly poppy. The it's poppy. The singer. It's not poppy as in the music. Oh, I thought you were meaning it was like pop. Music. <laughs> That's why I was getting really fucking confused, John. Okay, fair enough. I take it all back. You're not down with it, God Almighty, Alex. I'm the oldest one here. I'm down. I'm down with it. I know who. Pop. That's because you work on the radio. Do you think we play Poppy on Clyde One? I don't think so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the only Our radio old stuff with that that's what I like listen it. to is Sunny Govan because it is the best radio station in Glasgow. So <laughs> that's what I think like Poppy is like a wrestling gimmick, but not in wrestling because she's essentially done the Alexa Bliss. She used to be like ridiculously Poppy <laughs> and then she was like, No, I just want to be a metal artist and then yeah. released like it's heavy. It's almost metal like stuff. a baby it's almost like baby metal type scenario with her, isn't it? It's yeah. like baby metal but good. Better don't you start on baby. <laughs> yeah, Gary's opinions are now clinically uh, critically reviewed, John. So I mean, we'll be getting an article about Gary's opinions on music. That's and true. I, I've I've seen them live and I actually didn't mind them, so I, I'm being slightly facetious. Yes, you are. <laughs> right. Um, let's say uh, let's start off with a boot uh, put over. Um, I love the Grizzled Young Veterans and our proper. I love a bit of dirty heel tactics. Um, James Drake uh, pretending to be injured while Zach Gibson poked the other guy in the eye. You don't see enough of this dirty heel tactics, proper, proper heel tactics anymore. And I take my hat off to that because more of that on wrestling television, please. Um, We're going to go to Fashion Corner straight away this week for our first buddy. I think, you know, what has happened to Kyle O'Reilly's character? We had this badass guy with, you know, denim kind of waistcoats, misfits, t-shirts. And now this week we flashed to a denim jacket, Orange Cassidy-esque, with a trilby hat. I think it's a trilby hat. Is it a trilby hat? It was like the man from... Uh, Like a trilby and a fedora. I think we call it a fedora because a fedora sounds more wanky. (laughs) And then he's kind of changed up his promo style. He's wearing sunglasses. I just don't get. I don't get. What they, I thought going with the kind of more badass Kyle O'Reilly, almost Moxley esque, was a better way to go than what they're doing with this character now, which I don't quite get. And I don't know what type of character they're trying to portray with him. Did, did, am I just the only one here? No, I was bemused by it as well. Yeah. I, like I, I thought. Like before, I was like, "Oh man, I hate the mullet, and I kind of hate that full look that he was going for." But then I was like, "No, actually, I like it because it's, it, it is like unique, at least." And he needed something unique to break away for the film, but then they've went too unique. <laughs> then yeah. they've just went like far too like far away, and it's like, "No, get get the fedora off." And he also, I, I believe, his t-shirt. He was wearing like can't remember if it was this week or last week, but it was wearing a vintage t-shirt that just said like something like "I love wrestling" on it. Right. <laughs> it's like cool. <laughs> and it's like yeah. you should probably change that to say "I love sports entertainment," just you know because yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll stick on ring gear for we're at it as well because she does change up her ring gear as well. Not a fan of people. Re- Why would you choose to wrestle on just your bare feet when people can stand on your feet? It's just a, you know. It but, makes um, it hard. They've kind of dropped all the kind of Back to the Future kind of vibe with Kushida, which is, I like it, I like it. It's a nice little throwback for me, so I didn't like I didn't like that. Uh, I'll give you another buddy while I'm at it as well. Uh, we'll go for, Zoe Stark just keeps getting beaten, and she's brilliant. She's really, really good. And we had the debut in Saray here, who, by the way, loved the entrance. I, 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 I don't know if you've seen it, the, the entrance for her. I really liked it. Don't know about the music, but we'll get, but um, I... Yeah, uh, just Zoe Stark, I think it's incredible. And I mean, 
they're kind of they've put us through the mill in the first couple of months of being there. So I don't know where she's going to go with that. There was a lot of but lot more buries, but I won't get into. It. We'll, we'll we'll look at the positives now, and we'll leave it. All- like that. I had a lot more buries, but I'm not going to get into it, even though this is the one time that you have to get into it. Well, I could get into. I mean, Carrying Cross is good. Kyle O'Reilly and Carrying Cross getting teased up. Carrying Cross needs bigger opponents, man. No one's a threat to that guy in NXT. The only person I could see as a genuine threat to Carrying Cross in NXT on the current roster is probably uh, Bronson Reed. That that that's probably the only threat I could see Carrying Cross in that roster because everybody else compared to him, the Adam Coles. The Kyle O'Reilly's, they just, they're not a threat for that brute. You know what I mean? It is, he is Lesnar-esque in NXT, so they need a proper someone to go up against them, and Kyle O'Reilly's not the answer. But anyway, anyway, um, let's go to a put-over um, and love uh, the tease of Ted DiBiase um, getting the up, one-upmanship on Cameron Grimes, who Cameron Grimes is just developing into one of my favourite characters in wrestling. You know, in an MJF manner. I just love it. I think he's brilliant in the ring as well. That was my match of the night. Kyle O'Reilly and Cameron Grimes was great to watch. Cameron Grimes, fantastic. Just great on the mic. Great character. I mean, you know, the the whole Ted DiBiase thing. I will love it. I really hope it happens that DiBiase turns up as a million-dollar man in NXT. I hope that's what they're teasing for. I hope that's what they're going to go for. That would be sensational stuff. So, um, yeah, NXT. A lot of things. Again, it's at that time of the year where it's just kind of nothing's really happening. They're just kind of blown about in the wind at the moment. But um, we'll see where it goes over the next couple of weeks. Let's go to the boys. The new age of Mark Claus and SmackDown. Uh, Rico, let's start off with a pullover from you, sir. Uh, well... I am hyped to fuck for Alistair Black coming back. I'm not sure what the general consensus is about Alistair Black on this podcast. I know there's one guy in the main show who (laughs) apparently doesn't like him too much, but how could you not like that promo? Like, first off, like since he arrived in NXT, like I've been a bigger, a big fan of the guy. Like I like his wrestling style, I like his presentation. I was a big fan of his entrances and his music. He was excellent in NXT, Uh, and then is first character on the main roster was just a massive swing and a miss. Like there's no longevity or interest after a while in a guy who's just kind of like, I want to fight someone. Uh, and then you can only get that as a character so far, like with a, like a Finlay or something like that. He was good at it, but how far does it go? Uh, and they'll be dead and buried if they're not winning grudge matches against guys in underground fight clubs, which was, uh, I think maybe the last time he was on Raw against Kevin Owens. I don't know. But um, this whole promo with the Tales of the Dark Father, um, the look of it, the feel of it, is big fucking NHS glasses or whatever they are. <laughs> I don't know how they're about. Definitely my specs. Aye, yeah, aye. I think I had a pair of them in like primary six when I had to start wearing glasses. <laughs> but uh, apparently they're a big deal again. I but think, anyway. Uh, you need the glasses because the last time we seen him was I injured. So that's I like the <laughs> You need the big massive glasses just so you can get away with it. Storyline consistency, that's what we like. Would have been even better if it was a monocle, but uh, I'm I'm intrigued <laughs> to what this character will be. Like the the way he told the story felt a little bit like Bray Wyatt's rambly pl- promos, but 
Alistair Black seemed to have a bit more direction and purpose, and there's no none of this wackiness of the fiend. Um, and I think his I think his new catchphrase is like "Call the herd." I think so. I'm interested to see where that goes. And I, I just truly hope this time that he's he's handled well. I hope he gets dropped into a feud with one of the bigger babyface characters on SmackDown. Um, and it feels like him as as with the fiend doesn't need a title to be interesting. So drop him into feuds, have him destroying wrestlers week in, week out. And, well, see, for the yeah. first time, I'd have faith they might push him. Only from somebody who works in like the almost animation industry. There's a lot of production went into that. Like they have the whole 2D animation going on as well. So there's a lot more time and effort went into that than they do their fucking shitty 3D graphics that they project onto the stadium. So do you know what I mean? They're putting effort into him here. So hopefully this means a maintained push. Because they don't do that. I'm excited for one reason. The the one the one thing that excites me is that he's on SmackDown. Because if he was doing the same promo on Raw, I think I'd be like, oh fuck, this is gonna go anywhere. The fact that it's on SmackDown, it's like the, like even the Apollo thing has been a hit on SmackDown, and that I thought was very risky. So I think, like, I don't think it no fail on SmackDown, which I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> but yeah, I you had that fear that he was going to be involved in the Fiend Alexa Bliss kind of angle as well. That was kind of the rumors that were everyone was kind of pointing to. But that's good that she's popped up in SmackDown. You know, they could do yeah. I mean, it's quite a lot of heels in SmackDown now, though, isn't there? There's quite the kind of heel collections building up on SmackDown. So I'm interested to see what I, I think. You know that call the herd kind of idea. You know sounds almost like Legend Killer esque. You know that that's a great idea. We've not had that in a week at all. Of them just going out like you say, Rico, and just destroying. I think the call the herd sounds like it's more directed towards the fan base personally than the wrestlers. Almost it sounds like he's he's, he's actively talking at the fans and he's negative, being negative about everyone and not just the people on the roster. Yeah, he was pointing the finger at the fans certainly throughout that promo. Mm. Um, and, and as you say, yeah, it's kind of it's heel heavy on SmackDown, but seeing as as you said, you know, everything's just sort of um, it's just floating about in the wind at the moment. I hope there's a couple of uh, a couple of shakeups on the roster. I hope there's one guy that comes from NXT up to up to SmackDown. I hope it's Finn Balor, because um, mm. if you have Finn Balor and Alistair Black having matches, man, that's yeah, that's exciting. and like I'm, I'm hyping that out of absolutely nothing. I've not read that; it's just fan booking. But um, yeah, it's just really interesting. So keep me invested. Yeah, the one I'm desperate to see him against on SmackDown is already there is Nakamura. I think that is just like just just yeah. have them kick each other for half an hour. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that's a great show. Yeah, uh, right, Bronze. Let's move on to your first put over the night, my friend. Uh, I want to put over the whole main event picture. Um, we had so teaming with Rollins to take on Cesaro and Brian at the beginning. I'm happy with the Rollins Cesaro feuds carrying on. It was entertaining segments throughout this, the whole night. We had giant swings. Brian was on top form in the microphone, and they're building to this Friday. We've got Daniel Bryan versus Roman, and if Brian doesn't win, he's got Reeves SmackDown. So I kind of want to see. I think we talked about it a couple of months ago. I'd like to see Daniel Bryan leave SmackDown and go to NXT to give us all these dream matches. Him versus Pete Dunne that's getting teased on NXT uh, on Twitter. You know, I, I want to see him down there having some great matches. That's, yeah, that would be interesting. We've not really seen... Well, we saw it, with, saw it with Bauer, like, dropping down from the main roster. Be angle, I guess, as well. But, you know, having that main roster appeal and dropping down, and like you say, it'd be great to see someone... We're not going kind to of argue that now that he's been down, like what Rico was saying there, that Balor has kind of 
there's nothing left for him to do now. He's come back, he's had a second run, and it's like put him back up. He's, he's hit that ceiling for the second time, which is difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, good, there's a lot of matches to be had for Bauer on them. Um... On the main card, you know, um, so I, I think you're more than likely to see him going back up. Have you had any hints on that, Gary? No, nothing. That's the kind of thing that I'll, I think it's been on the cards for a long time, but I think Finn Balor doesn't want it to happen. So, yeah, <laughs> obviously, it's, it's that full, it's the full Walter scenario again, isn't it? Where it's like, how amazing would he be here, but he doesn't want to go here, so would it be amazing if he's not fully invested? Not sure. I think it will happen eventually, but. Surely if they dangle like a carrot in front of him and be like, yeah, you're going to go up and you're going to take the title off Roman, he'd be like, oh, yes, that 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 universal championship that I am the inaugural champion of. Yeah, that thing that I gave up. And, I, and that story is already there as well, which is brilliant, but I just, I don't know. I think he's I think he's a wee bit sour for the experience the first time round. So it's, I think it's going to be rumoured until it happens again, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it will happen because I don't know how much he wants it to happen. I mean, going up is the, you know, I think, <laughs> what about going and, you know, continuing with story on going up back up to the main roster uh, and bringing down the fiend as the demon? There you go. That's something. Annoyingly, there's no appeal in it now because the, the fiend just has no. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been great if they'd have kept building the fiend as the way they did the demon, but. Plus, no, Gustin's, Gustin's kind of stolen the, the demon gimmick for the time being anyway. So, I mean, yeah. Space paint, so. True, true, true. Um, let's go for a buddy then, Rico. What are you having? Uh, I feel like I stick the boot into the women's tag team division a lot, but I think it deserves it, to be totally honest with you. Um, it's certainly on, certainly on SmackDown anyway. Um, as uh, Bronze said a couple of weeks ago, there's there's a weird thing that they do with the pacing where they'll introduce wrestlers and then they'll cut to a backstage promo and it just it completely muddles up the pacing of telling that part of a story on the show. And they did that with this as well, with the women's tag team champions coming down. I know it's just Naya um, with Reginald and Shayna coming down versus Tamina in a match that uh, happened um, but it's just a bloody awful match. Um, they need to get those titles off of Shayna and Naya and freshen up the women's tag title scene. I, I think Riot Squad would be a really good option. I'd put the titles on. Um, I've no interest in Natalia or Tamina taking them, to be totally honest with you. Um, at least the Riot Squad tend to have good matches, both good wrestlers, not to say that um, the rest of them aren't, but um, I just feel like they'd be more interested in the title and it's something that kind of really holds back now, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. It's just doing neither of them any favours anymore. And uh, well, in my eyes, anyway. But uh, yeah, didn't enjoy that at all, and continue not to enjoy it. Yeah, um, Bronze, what have you got? I 100% agree with Rico. We lost the Iconics after they broke them up. They were the best tag team that they had. They broke them up for no reason. They're now gone. We've got this Reginald shite again, and now it's happening on Raw. Sorry, spoiler alert, Gary. Um, <laughs> Naya now has a new love interest yeah. in Angel Garza. We're going to get it on both shows. Just get it in the bin. It's a, a new old one because they, they already were doing that storyline and it was already no very good. <laughs> and they went back mm-hmm. again. <laughs> oh, not good. Not good. Um, match of the night then, boys. He's going to agree on that. Or do you go... Shout out after three, shout out your match of the night. One, two, three. Opening time. Kevin on to follow. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> so, opening um, tag match, who was, who was that, Bronze? Um, so it was Jey Uso and Rollins versus Cesaro and Daniel Bryan. Really right. good match to open the show. Yeah, and uh, Paul getting it for Yuri Kuya. Yeah, yeah, I think I think those two, Kevin Owens and Apollo in the ring, they were way better than I expected to do, it to be for a SmackDown match. And it's a, it's a shame about the finish of it because it was a distraction from Commander Aziz, <laughs> um, who hit the Nigerian nail on Kevin Owens after it. And Sami Zayn carrying on dancing in this weird Carlton Banks, Ace Ventura hybrid dance that he's got <laughs> going on over <laughs> Kevin Owens' lifeless body. But um, yeah, if there hadn't been the sort of distraction at the end, it, it would have been an excellent match, but it was just really good. So good. that was my match tonight. Good. Um, fantastic, boys. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Monday Night Raw. Have we improved since WrestleMania is the question, Gary? No. <laughs> Here's the answer. <laughs> uh, uh, my, my first bury, I, I keep, I'm very close to my first bury just being Raw because it is just such a chore to watch. Uh, but I can narrow it down. It's something that happened very early on in Raw. And again, I keep saying I don't want to rail on the guy and then proceed to rail on the guy. Uh, but the new commentator, Adnan Verk, is just painful to listen to. It seems like they've now got to the point where like, we criticised his lack of energy the first week. And I'm not going to criticise his lack of energy this week because he's definitely been told to up the energy. No, he's doing the full thing that we've heard so much with typical WWE commentators where they scream a lot. And it's fine if that is the thing that works. And it, it does work for a lot of people. I think Michael Cole does it quite well, in all honesty. And I always say I'm quite a fan of his commentary. Adnan Verk is just no good at it. Everything about Raw, I think, is summed up in one thing he said. So we had Braun Strowman doing his train gimmick yet again. Oh. Getting geared up for the choo-choo. Sadly, the choo-choo is gone, so I can't bury that. Getting geared up for the choo-choo. Adnan Verk shouts out that very topical reference we're going to need a bigger boat. And then Cody Graves is like, well, he's not a boat, he's a train. So he's, he's referenced Jaws, and my link to that is that Raw right now is Boz. So that's my first uh, my first bury. It's no good, no liking it. That that just set the tone for, and I say the night, I watched it in the morning, so I even got to skip through some stuff, and it was just like, as soon as I heard that, less than 20 minutes into the show, I went, it's going to be one of these shows again. It's just, it's not going to, like, I'm admitting defeat already. But I did find a couple of wee bright spots. Um, the first one, uh, I, the, the first one was again just a wee tiny bit of continuity that I liked. Um, so we had Sonia Deville coming out and introducing Charlotte Flair back into the fray. I actually really like what Charlotte Flair's doing now, just as a wee separate aside. I mentioned her promo a couple of weeks ago. Last week she attacked a referee, and then this week they had the referee kind of in the ring. They had Charlotte Flair. Her pronunciation, his name was fantastic for a start. She gave it the Spanish Orengo, uh, which was great. Um, but they had that full thing, had her apologise, had the referee be forced to apologise to her and, and all this kind of stuff. But what came after that was great because we had a wee backstage segment where Mandy Rose, which I'm going to get into in a wee bit, um, but Mandy Rose ended up um, getting confronted by, by Sonia Deville. Nice wee callback to, to their rivalry. I think they're definitely teasing that Sonia Deville is going to be returning to in-ring action at some point because they've been going along the her turning into a bit of a bastard over the past couple of weeks and, and Adam Pearce being raging well. So I think we're probably going to get him selecting an opponent to face her. But it was just a nice wee callback. I like the continuity. That was good. Um, and the Charlotte Flair stuff. So a lot of good stuff with the women. Um, and then I'm going to say some not-so-good stuff after this. Um, 
But the other thing that I liked, um, I think even though I hate a lot about it, and I could have put it as one of my biddies, a lot of the T-Bar and Dijakovic stuff's a bit mince. Um, you know, I don't know how the commentators on there recognize, oh, that Dio Madden's guy's the guy that was on commentary and he's unmasked. Um, I liked seeing Dijakovic back in his, like, wearing trunks back with a mask on, that looked good. Don't like his name still being T-Bar mind, um, but I think the the one thing that I, I liked, I, this is weird, it's a half very half put over, right? <laughs> so I liked they done a backstage set up with Braun and Drew, and they were meant to be in tag team action against T-Bar and Mace. And then Braun was like, no, you tried to do it last week, made an all set, I'm going to prove you wrong, go this week and do it right. And then they had the match end by disqualification. Drew came out, make the, <laughs> makes the save, you know where it's gone. Tag team match. There we go. The big tag team match is going to happen because we've no had we've no had enough by seeing the fucking handicap match already. So we get the tag team match. How does the tag team match end? Count out. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. That's a kind of half uh, half berry, half put over. Just because it is so bad, you're only getting one put over. But the last actual berry, you get one and a half put overs and then two and a half berries. The last actual berry, it's already been mentioned. Women's tag team division. Mentioned that I quite liked a wee thing that happened, you know, with Mandy Rose. However, <laughs> they had a six-woman tag team match, which, yet again, I could have mentioned the fact we had two six-person tag team matches, and they even advertised it as if it was a good thing we were getting two six-person tag team matches. Why is that a good thing? Um, but the, the second of them, a women's uh, six-person tag team match, they had Rhea Ripley destroy uh, Lana, and, and then she tagged in Nia Jax, which I don't like. Rhea Ripley shouldn't be tagging in people, just get the win. Um, Nia Jax gets the win but we had and I can't even remember if it was during or after the match we had uh, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose come down to the ring Shayna Baszler goes to confront them they've got their hands behind their back and they do the devastating move of throwing a bucket of water on her um, and you're like why is, why have they thrown a bucket of water why why is that a thing and then you realise why that's a thing is because they've got this full storyline about slipping despite pulling the slip clip through the, the WWE Network anyway so it shouldn't make any sense. But why did they do that? Because then you can have Nia Jax walk for the tag team rope, you know, let go of the tag team rope, walk down all the way around to do a wee mini jog and then slip and then flail a bit on the ground while Reginald's trying to help it up in the funniest segment that's ever happened on Raw. So it was just absolutely horrendous. Uh, I can't go. I wish they'd just stop. Just give the tag team titles to something. Why, why is slipping just a thing that they're like, actually not even just slipping, anything that happens that's like accidental, but kind of gets internet traction it's like we need to do this for the next 26 episodes and and you'll like it or, or we'll just keep doing it anyway and it was just absolutely horrendous um so i enough of that morning i'll end on a positive with my match of the night which is probably a surprising one and it would have maybe been a put over but i really liked despite the fact that cedric alexander and shelton benjamin were on the wrong end of the, the victory yet again rk bro <laughs> <laughs> they got Matt Riddle and Randy Orton together, <laughs> and I should hate it. I should hate everything about it, but I don't. It's one of it probably says more about the rest of the fact that I really like RK Bro. Um, and I got through that full thing without mentioning Alexa Bliss and the fucking dog again. Uh, so I good raw. Go and watch it, everybody. You'll love it. <laughs> Three years well spent. 
did, I, WWE do this all from time to time, though, don't they? They like to take two kind of opposite people and put them together and make a tag team, and then we get all sorts of hijinks and antics with, you know, we've seen it obviously with Killian Dane and Drake Maverick and uh, NXT, and now we've got... That's the thing. Sorry, I think every every single raw meeting about tag teams, no matter if it's the women's division, the men's division, no matter what they do in the writing room, for some reason, somebody always goes, I've got it. Genius. Can they coexist? And then they just make a storyline around that. And it's like, no, because the answer's always yes for a bit and then no, and then you have a rivalry. And it's just like age-old booking that they just always go back to the well where. And I think sometimes it works, but the majority of the time it doesn't, and especially when it's used every week, it doesn't. I, I saw a clip of the Randy Orton and um, um, whatever we're calling them now, Riddle promo. Um, and it was, uh, it entertained me, I have to say, it entertained me. So, that if one thing putting it, and not Randy Orton's just fucking brilliant at anything, he puts his hand to so. And uh, in that match, the, the best part of the match, because I mentioned Everett, and apart from the actual match, the best part it was Cedric Alexander came off the top rope and got hit with an RKO. And something we see all the time, but it never fails yeah. to impress. It's always nice to see that. Always nice to see that. Nice one. Um, so the new tag name for um, Raw is Raw is Boss. Is pretty much what we're going for now. Pretty much, aye. Yeah, like it. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen. And remember, if you want to get your buddies and putovers into Rab and Gradle for the headline show this Friday, it's dead easy to do that. You can get us on Twitter at Wrestling Daft. On Insta, Wrestling Daft Podcast, or just plain old Wrestling Daft on the Book of Face. Um, if you want more content from Wrestling Daft, it's dead easy to have that in your life. Uh, all you have to do is get signed up for our Patreon. I'm sure you know all about it. But if you're not involved, why the hell not? Because you're going to get loads of bonus content up there each month at patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. Lots of tiers. Of course, we're all in tier three at the moment, but you can choose to be in tier two or tier one, depending on how much you want to give us. Uh, you'll get Patreon-only chat community. You'll get ad-free versions of the shows. You'll get bonus content from the show. I actually put an outtake of Kiku Taro uh, wanking. Um, on there, we're pretending to wank. I'll just say, uh, <laughs> you can check that out from from our interview from last week. It's it's very funny. Um, you'll get uh, bonus episodes up there. You'll get the video version of uh, this show. You get the video version of Rab and Gredo. You get T-shirts if you sign up for a particular tier. And who knows? Surely we're not far away from a live event at some point. I'm hoping. I am hoping we will have a wrestling daft live event by the end of the year. Uh, and what you've just uh, you've just cursed yourself now. I've just jinxed that. I've just jinxed that. But anyway, there's loads of content, including uh, bonus episodes. Uh, this month was wrestling uh, WrestleMania memories with Grado, which is great. A really good listen. Uh, so get involved in all that stuff. You can do that. Choose your tier. Patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft. It's the wrestling news with Mister Gary Cassidy. Gary, let's kick off with uh, news from Rebellion. Aye, so I've already put myself over a couple of times, but why would I not do it again? Um, obviously, uh, broke the news on the day of Rebellion, I think it was early afternoon, uh, that Big Cass was going to be appearing there. Um, you know, Big Cass is a pretty big guy, but it wasn't the biggest news that happened during Rebellion, because obviously we had a nice segue there as Alex is uh, just pointing out that he's popped for it ever so slightly. Um, but 
big news that did happen was, of course, the fact that we had a title unification match. I think most of us saw the way it was going anyway. I don't think it came as a shock to anybody what the result was once they said it was going to be a definite winner. Um, but we had a nice wee thing that happened where Audrey Edwards was the one of the referees for it. They teased that she was going. They had uh, both her and Brian Hebner, I believe his name is, uh, in, the, in the Impact shirt. And then it was like, right, so they're going to do Aubrey Edwards screwing, um, screwing Rich Swan at the title. They did they, they had a wee swerve where she actually pulled the chair for Kenny Omega, almost cost him the match. But, of course, Kenny Omega triumphed. So we've got an Impact World Champion who isn't an Impact wrestler, um, which sounds like the best TNA ever thing, I should say. But obviously, <laughs> it's uh, obviously it's going to work out in quite a, a good way for them to mean Kenny Omega's on their show more often than you'd like to think. So I would get him that forbidden door. Staying, uh, I think somebody's chucked a doorstop under it for now. Staying, staying firmly uh, sprung open, and looks like we're gonna have, um, I think, a big uh, Kenny Omega match happening at Slammiversary, which will be, you know, if he's gonna hold the belt that long, it's probably gonna bring more eyes to Impact. So, all good stuff. Can I complain there? Do you think he'll fight at Slammiversary? So. My initial thought was that he would probably face somebody that was coming into the company, but at the same time, it would be quite tricky to build that because their 90-day non-compete would end yeah. right before Slammiversary. So I think... When does, for, when does the 90-day finish? Before Slammiversary? Li- li- literally right before it. Right. <laughs> same right. as last year. Like There's no space in between, really. Um, so I think who he's going to get is Moose uh, because Moose was the TNA champion. He's, you know, he's already been in the ring with Kenny Omega and during that six man, he really impressed. And then he was the guy that lost his title at Rich Swan. I think he is the most likely one. It's not going to appease many people in terms of a massive mainstream name, but I get, like, I love Impact, so I should preface it by saying that I don't know who, who would an Impact be the person that would really appease the mainstream audience as the big name, um, because obviously Rich Swan was kind of one that we... You know, it looks like a mismatch anyway. So I think it's going to be Moose. Um, that being said, I'm not sure Moose will be the person to take the titles off Kenny Omega. I think it will be somebody joining at Slammiversary. Probably the name that we all expect it to be. Right. <laughs> Probably um, Joseph from an island near Fiji. You mean Roman Reigns? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, okay. So that's uh, that'll, that will be exciting then. Obviously, you've got the AEW crossover. Do you think Big Castle turn up on AEW? I would love it to happen because, you know, I think, I mean, we always say, you know, you need to be our big guys. They've got hurdles of them. Not loads of good big guys. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think I'd like to see it happen. There's one thing that would make me think it won't, and it's the fact that Joey Janela's in the company and obviously they two hate each other, mm-hmm. uh, or at least used to hate each other. Um, so that could be interesting. But I don't I don't know. I think it's exciting. I know that um, I should share, I didn't actually really mention why he, why he, he joined or, or, you know, how it all came about. But he's obviously good friends with the Good Brothers, so yet again they are pulling more strings and impact. So you have to think that they, you know, them and Don Callis are playing a pretty big role in Impact the new. Um, but Big Cass ended up debuting again when they returned after his big hiatus due to you know addiction problems and stuff. He returned to Lariato Pro Wrestling, which is owned by Luke Gallows, uh, Doc Gallows, Big LG, whatever you want to call him. Um, so I've led to believe. I don't know this part for certain, but I'm led to believe they were key in bringing him into the company just for what I've heard um, but all I heard was that he was backstage the night before he'd actually wrestled Gangrel which was good fun uh, mm-hmm. so I you've got a um, big cast there and also he was um, 
Obviously, I'll talk about whether he could have Enzo with him, but he actually has been paired with Melina on the Indies for the past wee run. So she was rumoured to be going to WWE. Maybe she'll end up in Impact or maybe with him in AEW at some point. So could be interesting. Melina was in, uh, she was in uh, Impact for a while, was she not? Aye, she was indeed. So yeah. hmm. this not when John you know? Morrison and um, Tyra Valkyrie were in uh, TNA or else. That could have also been very fucking awkward. Yep, exactly. That was um, slightly different from then. But I, uh, interesting to see. It's, it's the kind of thing where we're all like Kenny Omega's get the championship. So the first thing you think is, oh man, could this, like, it could either be amazing or it could be the kind of thing that it just takes on interest for the impact. I think it'll probably be somewhere in between, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, good. Um, let's see what else is going on. Uh, Drew McIntyre uh, is talking about a fight with Tyson Fury. Is it something we really want to see? Eh, I mean, I think if it gets as a pay-per-view in the UK at some point in the future, then we'll, you know, we'll take it as the as the thing we need to use to get to the big UK pay-per-view. Um, but it has claimed recently, and, you know, we've spoken about this a few times, about it being planned, and, and Alex McCarthy, I think, had, has spoken about it many times, um, and a lot of other people have spoken about it, that, you know, it was a plan at one point, um, and, you know, a pay-per-view was going to happen, but Drew is now saying that he's getting messages every day for Tyson Fury on social media, which I like, even if it is the truth, if it is true, it's great, if it is the truth, it's great, um, and that they're looking to uh, make it a thing that happens at a WWE pay-per-view in the United Kingdom. Was meant to be the plan last year, obviously we know why it wasn't uh, something that happened last year, um, but this was actually in an interview with a Big Issue, um, and he said Tyson Fury is stalking me which is headlines or all that the guy knows how to make a headline he said it's the That's most bizarre sentence if you stalk someone he's fucking huge it's him coming a mile away <laughs> so, but he said, um, it's the most bizarre sentence I'd wake up every day and I've got another message on social media for Tyson Fury maybe I should answer him which I love because I mean Drew McIntyre's the nicest guy ever so you know he's definitely at least answering him if he's getting the messages uh, but it says the UK deserves a significant pay-per-view we're not going to disagree with him. Uh, it's got such an incredible fan base, huge audience, they're so passionate. Not had a show since 1992. Um, but I, making news there, we've spoken about Drew's book, but he, he mentions in the book about the first time he met Tyson Fury being, uh, I believe, in Saudi Arabia at that show. And he mentions that full flight as well, the, the, the delays that happened there. Talks about Chris Benoit, talks about a lot of stuff you wouldn't expect him to talk about. So, you could have done a full news segment on his book, but we wouldn't want to ruin the big guy's book and, uh, and lose him out on sales. So Tyson Fury, I think, perfect. Uh, that could be a scenario that happens in the future. We'll see what happens with Tyson Fury's boxing career first, because obviously that's um, that's still pretty big and he's looking like he's going to be facing Anthony Joshua. So uh, maybe after that, but hopefully we'll get a, a UK pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, he's just like advertising local UK businesses and none of us recognise who he is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's the that's one from Blue Point to Lager. Then I'm like, who's this guy? Then you see him in a dress, and you're like, oh, that's Anthony Joshua. That is Anthony. Okay, yeah. Got you now. Got you. I'll be interested to see if the Joshua Fury fight happens. Um, I mean, that, that'll be one of the biggest fights in boxing history if they if they'd manage to get that together. I, but- I hope it's all a big work like the UFC's proven to be, and we have a uh, Tyson Fury win, turn around and eat a Claymore in the middle of the boxing ring. I think that's how you say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Miz has got a documentary on uh, WWE 24 going out and John Cena is basically putting him over, isn't he? I absolutely love this. Um, So, I mean, as as you can expect, the Miz's documentary is absolutely brilliant anyway. I mean, he plays the perfect heel. He actually cut a heel promo somehow about this on Raw last night. 
But he's anything but a heel in it. Um, he talks a lot about uh, the fact that when he was, you know, it was lambasted to the locker room, he had to get changed in cupboards and all that stuff. So quite a harrowing story. Um, but John Cena has came out and sent a wee, uh, a wee message about it saying, uh, awesome doesn't do you justice, which, you know, John Cena just bought a book of John Cena quotes and typical, uh, <laughs> typical of John Cena uh, put in a nice wee pun there. Um, but he ended up following that up with calling uh, The Miz the hardest worker that he's uh, that he's ever been around because yeah. obviously he's had to get through, you know, all the stigma that surrounded him for the reality TV days and, and all that. So an inspiration, he, he said he's an inspiration to him, uh, John Cena, about The Miz and uh, proof that real success takes earning every inch. A lot of kind words about him, but I, I would say, like, if you have not watched it, go and watch that documentary. It's absolutely incredible. And John Cena, um, obviously John Cena doesn't really break no character because he's no like his wrestling character on social media. He's a weird character on social media. It doesn't normally break out of that very often, but obviously he's he's decided that it has to say something about the Miz's documentary. So yeah, definitely a worthwhile justification. It. I mean, the Miz has come so far, you know, in terms of like you used to. Oh God, this guy from reality TV show. But I mean, his promo work is second to none. Like he's he's outstanding on the mic. He's really, I mean, his in ring work is really good really good and you know it's his style his style is still mildly boring unfortunately <laughs> i think like i think he's the kind of guy that um if he was about in the 90s i think he'd be like the biggest and he is obviously a massive star but i think he'd be like the biggest star because he's got everything like i think he's got that old school style about him in terms of yeah. ring stuff but like yeah, that's I his problem it. isn't it like he's kind of well there's not a problem isn't it? i think that's more of the problem with wrestling is we're all now expecting too much from our wrestling. yeah I think that's probably fans, yeah. I think I mentioned it before where I was on a media call with him just after he won the title. And we all knew he was going to lose the title a week later in his match with Bobby Lashley. But he managed to at least make me doubt it, which was how good he was at talking. So it's like, eh, that's a, a good skill to have. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And finally, um, Bret Hart, this is an interesting story. He's been Bret Hart's been doing the rounds on a podcast, the 81 podcast. He says that Triple H wanted him to defeat The Rock for the IC title back in 1997. Interesting. Podcast was a belt, all that. Pool at that point in time. Was that, Alex? Surely in 1997, that Triple H would have had no pool. Well, he's always had pool, mate. Always had pool. I don't know. Was when, when, when was him and Stephanie's first date? That's how we can figure out when the pool started. <laughs> Don't know. I'll have to cheer, do research on that. But yeah, he's been on uh, eight, this 81 podcast uh, uh, spilling all, it looks like. Aye. Aye. So he mentioned that. Um, he said that uh, Triple H essentially hated The Rock back then. So, <laughs> so obviously um, hated Bret Hart slightly less and <laughs> wanted Bret Hart to win the match. Um, he actually he spoke quite a lot about The Rock and said that, uh, that he really wanted to work more with The Rock because, you know, if you think back, I, I don't even really remember that match and I don't remember Bret Hart and The Rock being in the ring too often with no, each other. No, uh, no. Obviously, just because, you know, one was on the way out and, you know, The Rock wasn't exactly the biggest name when Bret Hart was still a thing. He mentioned a lot about that. He also spoke a lot about Triple H because... Um, uh, well, I mentioned Triple H and maybe even Shawn Michaels were pretty ruthless. If someone was tied to me or connected to me, they'd try and ruin them. Even Dwayne Johnson, they tried to crack him up and bust his chops. Uh, I remember Dwayne telling me at the time, don't listen to these guys. But also, uh, he had a pretty scathing remark about Triple H, which I, I was uh, yesterday not able to write anything up because I'm doing a few other wee things, but I sent it into, uh, into our writers group and I was like, somebody got on this quickly. And essentially, Bret Hart said about uh, Triple H, 
uh, he's overrated and he's never had an original thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit much better. Oh. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really feel. Worried oh. <laughs> um, him. Uh, it was Sorry, some yeah. podcast, but I mean, it's Brett, Brett Hart doesn't he care, does he? He's just like, he'll, he'll see it. And so, uh, we'll so I was... Just like that. A, a brilliant, a fuck, uh, a fuck. Don't give uh, a fuck. Brilliant, Why not? Uh, brilliant podcast. It's worth a listen. Yeah, but we have to go and listen to that. So that's the 81 podcast. Uh, go and give that a listen after you've listened to this one. Um, brilliant. Um, lots of stuff still to come, I'm sure. Uh, we're, on the build, we're starting to get in the build-up back for some pay-per-views, so I'm sure there'll be a lot more news over the... How do we, hang on, wait a second. How do we feel about the next name of the next pay-per-view? One. <laughs> I'm at, right, so, uh, you know, right, so in my opinion... Media backlash. Yeah, right, so Backlash is what should fucking follow WrestleMania. But WrestleMania Backlash? What the fuck is this nonsense? Get it in the bin. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Why'd you hate it? They just put WrestleMania in front of Backlash. Because they're just trying to extend WrestleMania season. It's over, guys. It's over. Get over it. We're on to, like, a new year. It's like a new season. You don't reference the name of the season finale and the season opener of the new season. It means they can get that uh, sweet SEO for people searching WrestleMania, and I think it is just to make Backlash feel a wee bit bigger as well. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it, especially because I think it's a bit of a weird situation, because if it is WrestleMania Backlash, it should be the Backlash from WrestleMania, and then you had, you know, Drew versus Bobby Lashley made sense, and then they've shoehorned Braun Strowman into it anyway, and it's a triple threat match, so... Yeah, I I always think WrestleMania, you know, on that, it should be like the end of season, and it should be a fresh queen shape. Forget about what's happened at WrestleMania. It's a queen start, and maybe some sort of you know, gimmicky pay-per-view. I don't know where they fight to be on what brand. I don't know, but yeah, it should be like treated like that. But yeah, you're right. That's where we run into one other problem because you run into the problem of Hell in a Cell then because obviously Hell in a Cell is meant to be the culmination of rivalries and it's like, well, maybe you should just have one Hell in a Cell match on WrestleMania and maybe solve all the problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we could sit here all day and solve all of wrestling's problems. But time to move on to the next bit. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gary, you sat down with Sin Cara, the second Sin Cara, not the first Sin Cara. Uh, the, the good one, the good one, the first one, um, the, the easy way to remember one, the, the one I sat down, we get the big tattoo, but the best way to remember them is the first one was the one that injured his finger and had to have a match stopped. And then the second one broke his collarbone, the match and continued. That was a point he got across to me quite uh, heavily in this interview, I should say. He also <laughs> was badass at riding the BMX bike, so you've got to give him that as well. Yeah, it is uh, the one, the only... Hunico, aka Sincara, aka whatever her name, Sin. Sinta de Oro, the Sinta golden. Sinta de Oro, there we go. Fantastic. Here he is on Wrestling Daft. Hi, everyone. Gary Cassidy from Inside the Ropes here. And as you can see, I've got a very special guest, a bit more recognizable than most guests because you can see the mask he's wearing, formerly known as Sincara. It's Sinta de Oro. How's it going today, Sinta? Hey, what's up, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. 
<laughs> this is <laughs> much better, much, much better. <laughs> now, uh, yeah. now people can kind of understand what we're both saying a little bit more because, of course, we're going to break down a language barrier here. I always get slagged for my accent on uh, YouTube. So if there's anything you don't understand, let me know and I'll repeat it. Um, but as long as we're good to go, I'm going to hit you with some questions and hopefully, hopefully get some really good answers, man. Yeah, man, let's do it. I'm excited. I'm excited to do this interview. And thanks again for taking your time and, and talking to me. I'm just excited to let everybody know what's going on in my life. Man, I can't wait to do it. Thank you so much. The first thing that I want to ask I mean, you just whipped a mask off there. Um, you've wrestled, you know, without a mask before. You've wrestled with mm -hmm. a mask. You've wrestled with many different masks. And, you know, before portraying Sankara and then now portraying Santa de Oro, I believe that means Golden Ribbon and it continues yeah. the legacy of a, a, another wrestler who sadly passed away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever consider just going back to wrestling without a mask? And, and what was the decision like of, you know, carrying on another legacy because it's the second time you, you've done so? Mm. Well, to be honest, like, uh, my essence has always been with a mask. Even when, when, I, was, when I did the, the time as Unico without a mask, I, I felt that it wasn't me, you know? I enjoyed the time, and it was fun, a lot of fun, the, the, the character, and I really enjoyed it. It was, I was doing, you know, the best with it, but... But to be honest, like my essence is with a mask and I feel more comfortable with a mask on. I feel like it's me, you know, it's it's part of who I am. And and when, when we went back to Sincara and we, gave, we, we were portraying Sincara, I just felt like great. It was awesome to be able to, you know, portray this, this character with a mask. I can have a normal life in that sense because sometimes when I travel, nobody really knows who I am, you know. And then i can eat no problem i can do things publicly like and, and other people have a harder time doing that so in a sense that's a good thing about wearing a mask even even though i did it without a mask but it's been a long time you know since i've done that so i think a lot of the new generation doesn't really remember, remember that part of it but it's part of of my career and i really enjoyed it and uh like you were mentioning, Cinta Yoro obviously, you know, existed before. He was one of my idols as I was a little kid here in, in Ciudad Juarez, El Paso, where I grew up. And um, I used to watch him, man. He was an amazing wrestler. So when he passed away in 20, March of 2016, uh, the next year, uh, if you guys follow my career a little bit, you guys saw that I did like a little uh, tweak to my mask. I did a fusion of Cinta Yoro mask with Cara, and it was in honor of him, you know. To, to pay him tribute and then uh all of a sudden I was I started using the mask more and more people started liking it and then uh when I asked for my release uh I got a call from uh the people from social media asking me what name I was going to use because they had to change my social media accounts and I said I said I have 90 days you know from here December to whatever the 90 days and then uh, and then Twitter takes a long time to do changes so I thought, ah, we have enough time. So then that day that I told them that uh, that was at noon on a Sunday. And then in the afternoon at 6 p.m., they already had changed my name. So I was like in shock. My friend of mine called me. Like, he was like, hey, do you, do you, have you seen your social media? I'm like, no. He said, go check it out. Check your Instagram. So I go in my Instagram and then it says, Cinta de Oro. And then everything. So I didn't even have a chance to really do like a press conference or something to change my name, which is like right off the bat. So then, so then I spoke with their family. I spoke with their, with their kids, you know, asking them, you know, what had happened. And, and I understand that they didn't want me to continue or whatever. And they were like very excited about it. His, his kids were like, man, we would love for you to take over, you know, the legacy. If, it, if, you, if you want that, you know, obviously, you know, we understand. And, and that's why, how it came about. And, uh, 
And the crazy thing about all this is that um, it was he was one of the people that I really admired when I was a little kid. You know, he later became my friend. I used to work with him a lot. And, you know, he was a heel, I was a baby face, so I got to work with him a lot. And then he became like a mentor. Him and there's another friend of mine that wrestles a cinta de plata, which is silver ribbon. They, they used to be a tag team and then and then became like, in a sense, my mentors and he was just awesome. And then throughout my life, you know, I uh, when he passed away, I ended up, you know, I'll show you this. This is the mask that he lost in 1990 against Fishman. And see that what is the actual mask from that time. This mask is about 31 years old and I own it now. He's part of my collection. You know, when he passed away, I contact the person that had it. Now he's my friend, Christian Siemens from Mexico City. And uh, I owned a lot of a lot of his stuff when we used to wrestle. I have a mask that he uh, he wore the uh, day before he passed away. He wrestled the night before, and then he passed away the next morning. And uh, his kids gave me that as you know something to treasure, and I keep it in my collection also. So, you know, it, it's it's something uh, that is very positive, you know, in a sense to be able to you know now carry the legacy. He never left. Why is El Paso? Because he, uh, by the time that uh, they wanted him to go to Mexico and, and continue his career, he already had kids. So he never wanted to leave his family. So, you know, I respect him for that. So in a sense, I want to pay tribute in that sense, you know, of continuing the legacy and, and putting the name Sintayoro, not just in Mexico or in the States, but all over the world. And I think, you know, slowly, Slowly but surely, we, we started to do it. Hopefully, once everything gets back into the swing of things and we can be able to perform, I think there's going to be, you know, uh, people are going to start to know a little more about, you know, what I'm doing now or, or what, where the name comes about. Most definitely. And I think that's the perfect thing because you've already got yourself established and you're carrying on someone else's established. Mm -hmm. I want to go back a little bit in the past, but I've got one question to ask about the future first. I believe you're actually going to be wrestling in Qatar on a show that has Bret Hart. PW, yeah, I'm, I'm February yeah. the twenty, twenty of 2021. I mean, 2022, so, sorry. 2022, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bret Hart, Sting, all those kinds of names. I want to ask if Cinta de Oro can book himself in any segment with any legend on that show, what do you want to do if you can choose? That's a great question. <laughs> I think... Uh, like, well, during my time in WWE, I got to wrestle Sergeant Slaughter and Hacks of Jim Duggan when I was Unico. And that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. But uh, if, I, if I have to pick and choose, like, who I would wrestle, obviously people would always, like, in my case, because of the styles, I would pick uh, either Rey Mysterio or Eddie Guerrero in a WrestleMania match, a title match. That would, be, that, that would have been an amazing experience for me to be able to work, you know, with either of those two legends. But uh, because of the styles and, uh, and where we come from, I think we would have had a lot of chemistry. I never got to work with Ray as a heel. He, he, we, were, we wrestled, you know, as a tag team and, and got to wrestle in a couple like uh, those, uh, what is it called? The 30-man, the like nothing yeah. to do battle royals. Yeah. <laughs> we wasn't catering to put him in that match. So I got to – got to. Uh, <laughs> We're with him in there, but uh, I think that would have been an amazing experience. And and uh, actually, I, I picked a couple of ideas when uh, when Shaw was in the company with with us, but not, nothing ever came about about that. But you know, life is life is crazy, and then there's a full of surprises. Maybe in the future, who you never know. <laughs> you never know. That's the thing about wrestling; it's full of surprises. Yeah. So I'm going to go back a little bit, but I want to stop gap right after you mentioned your name change. I remember there was something that happened uh, just after you left WWE and it looked like you appeared at a show with the name Sin Cara. 
and then afterwards you were sent to the Oro. What oh, yeah. <laughs> that? Did you get um, did you get a little message or a little phone call about that? Did it go down badly? <laughs> uh, well, that, that was yeah, I did a presentation for AAA in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, the two weeks after I I was uh, granted my release, and uh, the, a lot of the things that you know there was a lot of stuff on social media that I was gonna get sued and all kinds of stuff by WWE because this and that. But but I've always done things the right way, and I I called. The office and I asked them you know what they uh, they asked me to do this and and they might you, know, you guys give me permission and they said yes that's why I did it you know I wasn't going to do nothing that was going to jeopardize my career in any way shape or form and 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 it was a lot of fun to be able to do it after that day I got a call you know from the office again like why did they use the music and things like that I was like I don't know I had no idea I thought it was, I was going to do a running and that was it you know and that was true I didn't have no idea they were going to use I guess that and that's that's when they called me but I told me you know that's the last time I, I I'll do this. Don't worry about it. I'll change my name and this and that. And that, that was it. That was it. But it was a lot of fun to be able to do it and be back in Mexico again. And, you know, feeling the crowd and, and the emotion of like being around the locker room with a lot of the friends that I haven't seen in a long time. So it was, it was cool. Yeah. Also, it's the kind of thing, the internet will see anything and run crazy with it. You know, that everyone will make up their own stories about what happened without acting. Oh, yeah. But even it's that kind of thing where, you know, Act now, apologize later. You get that special moment, and who cares what happens afterwards? Um, yeah. You know, I want to, you know, go back to the Sin Cara character because, you know, you're you're playing Santa de uh, Santa de Oro now, and mm-hmm. you know that was a legendary character that you took on. Mm-hmm. The Sin Cara before you wasn't so favorably lo- looked upon. You know, everyone had a lot of kind words for how you portrayed the character, but the one before got a few not so nice words. I want to ask about when you were asked to take on that role. Was it the kind of thing where you went, oh, no, because, you know, people had been a little bit, you know, not so nice? Or was it also, was it the opposite where you went, man, I can take this and run with it, make it my own and, and get people on board? What was your reaction when you got asked to, to take on the Sin Cara character? I was happy. I was really happy. I was excited about the opportunity to showcase, you know, what I wanted was to be, you know, be under a mask again and, and be able to perform the Lucha Libre style that I, you know, that I missed because I was, I was a heel. I was doing Lucha, but it wasn't the same. You know, the style I had to change a little bit. I was the bad guy now, but now I was going to be able to perform in, 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 in the light and, and let myself be who I really was, you know, in that sense. And I didn't know how bad, you know, backlash that guy had, to be honest. I did until I ended up like, because before that, I didn't have social media. When I became Sincara, that's when I started my Twitter account. That was because the company uh, realized that I had no social media because I, I, I kept telling him, yeah, I do, I do, I do, but I never did. And then until that moment, that's when everything, uh, and then that's when I started like, man, they, they don't really like this guy, you know, because, and still to this day, I get confused of the, of the match that he had when he broke his finger and they stopped the match or, or something happened to his finger and people still confuse me. I'm like, Nah, that's not me. You know, I used to <laughs> answer to one. them. That's a good one. <laughs> I used to answer to them, but not anymore because uh, whatever, right? But uh, yeah, I would always get that or oh, did you do this? And I'm like, that's not me. Like, like it's, it's a different guy. Like, you, like if you know wrestling, you're gonna know the difference between him and me. And uh, I wrestled with that. I dislocated my shoulder, and then I continued with the match with Biggie. And uh, I remember it was the Barclays Arena, so. Obviously, it's like if I break my finger, I'm gonna continue. I broke my finger before, so nothing happened. You know, it's fine. But, but yeah, I did. I realized that I had a 
you know, work really hard to put the, the character over. But I wasn't too worried about that. I was just worried about doing things in, in the best way that I could and getting myself, you know, in, in, in that light so that people could look at Sincara differently and, and realize that, you know, I was talented. That's what they picked me to continue the character. But it was tough. And, and I think that was um, a lot of times where people got a little confused and, and they were like, is she the other guy? Is she this guy? And, and, I, and, and every time that I would do like an interview, I would always mention it. You know, I, I never, you know, lied to them. I'm not, I was Unico, yeah, that's fine. But now it's my time. It's my opportunity to succeed. And, and I think I did things in, in a great way to to the best of my ability obviously uh you know a lot of opportunities never came for me like him you know he was always in pay-per-views or because they were trying to build him up trying to make him the next rainy stadium which nobody can be the next rainy stadium <laughs> nobody no matter how, how talented they are you know there's only one rainy stadium there's only one eddie guerrero there's only one of a kind you know one one of each but it's, it was just tough i think for him trying to fill those shoes but he never really adapted in any way shape or form and i think also because he didn't want to you know, when the mentality, you got to have it up here. And sometimes people don't have it. I had everything, you know, that because I wanted to accomplish a lot of things, but I never had the opportunity to really succeed. You know, unfortunately, a lot of decisions that, that happen, it's not because of you or because people like fans always ask, oh, if you, if you would have worked hard enough and maybe you had it. And I'm like, you don't even know, like, because you're not there. Like, it's not about not working hard or not, you know, trying to become better. It's because whoever points a finger at you and they run with you, well, then you're, you, that's good. Obviously, you take the opportunities as they go, but I never got the opportunity that other guys have had in the company. Let me give you a perfect example. Dean Ambrose left, right? John Moxley left the company. He was given everything. He, he was a Grand Slam champion. And even after he left, he was miserable. Imagine me that never got the chance to to wrestle for a U.S. title, for the Intercontinental title, for the, you know, tag title, for everything. You know, imagine me. How, how would I feel? He felt that way. You know, he was given everything. And, you know, I, it was tough for me to be able to, like, look for those opportunities because I never got them. And it, it wasn't because of lack of, of effort or lack of uh, talent. It was because somebody in the office decides who they want to pick. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think for me, that's the kind of thing where we never see what's going on. So people make up stories and stuff like that. But yeah. I think I think people could see your effort and see your ability. And I actually want to run through a few highlights and ask you about them or my highlights. And you can tell me if they're yours. Um, this one might be surprising. My favorite thing that I've ever seen Sin Cara do in WWE, it was actually quite late on in your career and it was just standing up to Braun Strowman after someone got demasked, and you were the, the guy that went and were essentially, you know, having the, the legacy, everyone's legacy on your shoulders, the, the sure. pride of luchadors, and you stood up to Braun Strowman. What was that like working with Braun Strowman, and, you know, how did you feel that went? It was, it was a lot of fun. He's a, he's a great guy to be around with. You know, people that know him, he, he's funny, he enjoys life, and... Uh, for me, I, I think I was, it was the first few that he got up in uh, uh, WWE. So I got to work with him for a few few months, two, three months. We did television. We did live events. We did, uh, I think, South America, a tour in South America together. And it was a lot of fun, you know, because it, for him, it was also a, like a learning experience. He was, uh, it was his first tour. 
you know, with us getting, you know, a program and getting started to get rolling. And so it was a lot of fun to be able to work with him and, and, and in a sense, try to help him out to become better and, and what the company wanted out of him. So I have a lot of good memories about our matches. And uh, we used to, I used to, I'm a funny guy. Like if you get to know me, I, I like to, you know, be, have fun and and even when I used to wrestle, I would always say thanks to the voice because you couldn't see my you couldn't see my mouth moving. <laughs> so as I was working, I would always say like funny stuff where I would talk to them in Spanish and they would be like, "What the hell is this guy saying?" And with with Braun, uh, it was a lot of fun because uh, he wanted to learn, he wanted to become better, he want he knew that he had an amazing opportunity in his hands, and and now you can see it, he's doing great. So it, it's fun to be able to see somebody grow from that from from when I started with him. To where he is now you know but uh we had a match in i think it was in um in one of the tours i can't remember where i think i don't know if it was lima peru or somewhere where we do the face-off I mean, he's huge so we do the face-off and he, that day was cold and me being me i told him i was like you know your nipples are really hard right <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm like this and then he's like Shut up! Don't make me laugh don't make me laugh <laughs> and then we we started wrestling started kicking my body like like you <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun you know he's a he's a great guy so so i i'm glad that i got to work with him i got to also work with rusev when he first came up also you know so so that that was the thing you know i, I didn't really enjoy my work but then like i we would help the guys but then i would also wanted a piece of the pie not 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 just like be used as a stepping stone for other guys you know yeah well the, you know you mentioned that you weren't on a lot of pay-per-views However, the one I remember you being on really stood out. I want to ask about the Elimination Chamber tag team match that you had because that was just mayhem. How, how did that come about? What, you know, how do you go into a match like that knowing what you're meant to be doing? <laughs> that, that day was crazy. Everybody was, a lot of the guys were like a little upset and a lot of things that were going on. It was just a lot of like crazy stuff going on. It was in Laredo, Texas, if I remember. It was the first delay, the first, uh, tag team elimination chamber yeah. ever so I remember we were trying to like get, trying to get everything in order and everything and it was just crazy me and uh, the other day I posted a picture of me and Cesaro because he won his first Wrestlemania match and uh, and then Tyson Kidd commented on on that he said like oh I remember what happened before the match because me and Cesaro got in a little argument <laughs> before the match <laughs> so everybody thought they were going to get like in this crazy fight or whatever and then we Just a shoot up. fight in the middle of yeah. Elimination Chamber. <laughs> yeah, having an amazing match, all of us. It was just great experience for, for being our first. And, yeah, so a lot of the things just, you know, came out on the fly. You know, a lot of things that we did, a lot of things that they were there. We just, you know, felt the crowd. And it was just an awesome experience. So, you know, it, it was good to be able to work with all those guys. Tyson, Cesaro, Kofi, all those guys. You know, everybody wanted to, you know, perform to the best of their abilities. And and when you have people working like that, you know, the, the match is going to be great. So I really enjoyed that match. Yeah, me too, man. That's like one of those matches that you just, you need to go back and watch and be like, how are all these moving parts actually moving at the right time <laughs> in the right place? But, you know, yeah. obviously you mentioned a lot of your opponents in that match. The Lucha Dragons, everything about you guys, it was just like energy. The fans got on board. Everyone yeah. loved it. You've left the company. Kalisto's kind of went a little bit missing in action. Do you still keep in touch with Kalisto? And what do you think about you know him just as a performer? I think it's uh, it's not a little bit. He's missing in action. That's the reality, <laughs> and it, it just sucks because he's a great worker. He's a great performer. You know, he's gotten into the best shape of his life. 
you know, to to show them that they can re he wants he wants it, but then again, like he doesn't get those opportunities. But uh yeah, we should talk here and there. Obviously, we you know, I live in El Paso, he lives in Florida, we have different points of view and certain things, but at the end of the day, you know, we we're, we're good friends, we share a lot of great moments together in, in our careers. And I, I I was just sad when they broke this up. I think we could have done a lot more together as a as a team, and I think we never really got to mature as a team and, and, and achieve a lot of things that we wanted. And and when we parted ways, I think it was I don't know if they were afraid that we were getting over or we were really good or something, but it was just unfortunate that they split us up very soon. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is get over before you're meant to, almost. It seems like it's just exactly. a missed opportunity. When they don't want you to get over. Look yeah. at what happened with Rusev. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> the perfect, perfect comparison. Yeah. So I want to ask, you know, one of the things that I always watched and I was like, man, that is either... I thought it was a great idea. A lot of people on Twitter are like, hmm, the trampoline. Who thought of the trampoline? Where did that idea come from? Well, that was that was the company's idea. When when uh when uh, obviously when the first thing got out, they did it. They used that. So and then when they when they when I got over the when I took over the character, they asked me if I wanted to continue doing the trampoline because no, the no. other guy didn't like it. He didn't <laughs> yeah. like it. You know, it was the truth because he couldn't go over the rope. Oh yeah. And I I did. I enjoyed it. For me, it was fun. But what what I did, I would always train before the the shows. I would always tell the guys from the crew, hey guys, can you put the the trampoline so I can do a couple of jumps, a couple of practice jumps, I would always make sure that they, they had it in the right place, that they had it at the right angle. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you use a trampoline. I was like, you should try it. You should try it and see if you can, if you can do it, then you can, we can, you can talk and you can say, and you can judge me after that because a lot of people are like, oh, he's a trampoline to go over. But it's not easy because if you don't hit the middle part of the trampoline, you go to the side or you go this way or you hit the rope. So it has to be perfect every time. And I would always practice it because I, I enjoyed the entrance. It was something, you know, right off the bat, you would max, people would see you jump over it and the kids would be like, wow, you know, excitement. And, and that's what I like about doing the trampoline. It was just that full energy. It, just, it brought everything yeah. that you guys encompassed together. Yeah. Um, I want to ask, you know, you're a very proud Mexican. We can see it right there. You know, you've got the mask, you've got the, the football top on. There was a comment made by another man who recently left WWE, and that's Andrade. Uh, you know, he took to Twitter and they said about WrestleMania, why is there no Mexicans on the card? Um, mm -hmm. You know, for you... Do you have any thoughts on that? Is it the kind of thing that upsets you or are you just like, well, you know, it happens and it doesn't happen? No, no, no. Obviously, as, as a Mexican, uh, I'm a little, obviously, you know, saddened because of the situation because I understand that there's a lot of great talent. Mexicanos, there are, you know, there are great wrestlers that are there, they've been there and they haven't had those opportunities. And, and it, it's, it's true. I mean, what, now they're saying that they want to go to Mexico and get more talent for what? Like Cantada said, we're sitting in catering. We're doing the same thing, you know, putting us on the side just because you can pay us. You want to keep us, you know, not 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 achieving our dreams. And that's why he left. You know, that was the main thing. And before I left, you know, I, I spoke with some of the guys also about that. And a lot of them, you know, decided to stay, which is fine. You know, I understand that economically, you know, you get your check every week and, and you have that stability economically, but you're not happy. I'm pretty sure Andrade, uh, Calisto's not happy, Metallic, all those guys are not happy, but they don't want to say anything, and I don't know why, you know? And but I can say now, because yeah. I was there, I lived <laughs> it, and I know what it feels like, and I know what it means. It's it's really tough, and it sucks. You know, wow. the, 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 main, the main Latino star was that money. I mean, he's yeah. not even a wrestler. 
great yeah. for him, right? You know, he, he did an amazing job and, and that was awesome. But if I was a performer, if I was a wrestler, a Mexican wrestler or Latino wrestler, and I'm, and I, and I'm not there, then I would have been upset, really upset about it. You know, because I've been there, I've been busting my butt, I've been doing doing everything to make sure that I get an opportunity, and then you don't get it. It's tough, man. It's tough, and and then you realize that they don't care about Latinos or Mexicans yeah. specifically. Okay. They don't. No matter how much they, they say that they want to do this, they want to do that. Why you don't you don't have a star, a Mexican star, in WrestleMania? Not even one. Not one. I'm so glad you mentioned a name there that I'm going to have to tell everyone about because Grand Metalik is a guy I think is like one of the most underrated talents worker, man. ever. Man, he's so good. Um, but you also mentioned another name that I was going to ask you about there and Bad Bunny because, you know, he came in and done the WrestleMania stuff. Obviously, he's, he's not Mexican, he's Puerto Rican, but he's Latino. Um, so I wanted to ask because there's a little thing that reminded me of the Sin Cara character and Bad Bunny recently he spoke Spanish in the ring. And I remember that your promos, that I loved the thing that you'd done where you'd, you'd done the Spanish and the English and it was almost like translating your own promos. You know, how did that come about? Was that something you pitched? Was it pitched to you? And just how difficult was it switching in between? No, I think it was, it was just like, like I grew up in the border, you know, in Ciudad Juarez and Paso, which is a border town, the U.S. and Mexico. The only thing that divides us is the river, Rio Grande. And like we grew up in that culture of we call it Spanglish, yeah. <laughs> where we talk, you know, back and forth. We can say we, I can be talking to you even to my kids now. I do it like where I talk and they go, "Hey, vete a jugar, go play," and I do it <laughs> like automatically. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not that I'm thinking about it. That's the way that that I talk. You know, sometimes with my kids or the people that I know. Hey, vamos a jugar. I'm first base. I was like, you use both languages at the same time. You know. And, and things like that. And, and when, 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 they, when we started doing the La Cincara and doing the promos, you know, I put, you know, that, that, that essence of who I am in, into the promos and the things that, that I was allowed to do because a lot of things that I wasn't allowed to do, you know, like, it was just unfortunate that I never really got an opportunity to, to do great promos, to tell my story of where I come from and who I am and, and why I became Cincara and all those things. And, and it's, it's just unfortunately, but, you know, you got to continue moving on, living on, you know, I know there's life after WWE. A lot of the guys don't think there's life, but there is. I just want to tell them that, you know, there's a lot of talent out here that, you know, that that uh, has that, that mindset and wants to keep working. And if you're not happy in your situation, I think you have the power to change it. Nobody else but you. But if not, then why you why you have all these excuses and, and you just say it in the locker room. You know, if you want to speak out, speak out and, and have, you know, the the mindset to do it and and i'm pretty sure when you when you talk about when you talk from your heart you know that's the best thing you can do and nothing's going to fail that's the truth but if you continue just be in a place where they're not using you then what's the purpose of it you know you're not happy anymore and then that reflects your it reflects it on every sense your life your family your kids everything so it's tough but at the end of the day, I think the most important thing for us is to continue working and, and continue wrestling. That's the thing that they can never take away from me. When I was in that ring, they could never take away my talent. <laughs> they could take away the other stuff, but not that. So I'm grateful for that. Most definitely. And, you know, you mentioned sharing the room with a, a few legends, you know, the likes of Sergeant Slaughter. You shared the locker room with a fair few as well, you know, your John Cena's, your Undertaker's. Mm -hmm. What is the most surreal story that you have from interacting with a legendary name? 
I had a, I had great experiences with a lot of them. Everybody, most of them were really nice, really cool. I remember uh, the last WrestleMania that I was at. I don't think I had to. I, I was still coming back from my injury, and uh, the last WrestleMania that was in New York, and uh, I was sitting down in the table and uh, waiting to. I guess we had access, and I was sitting down waiting to do my signing, and then I just see this big guy comes right next to me like this, and and then shakes his and then puts out his hand. It was Undertaker. He came up to me to say hi to me. <laughs> and, and he comes up and I got up and, hey, how you doing, sir? But he was really cool. And that, that was like like something really cool about him, you know, that he's a very humble guy, very very cool person. And But it was just crazy. I was like, I'm sitting down and I just see this big shadow. I was like, hey, how you doing? And I turn around and take her. I'm like, hey, how you doing, sir? So I got up and, you know, started talking to him. But that was, that was a really cool, cool uh, thing that he did, you know, coming up to me instead of me, you know, going having to, because he could just sit down and we all have to, you know, yeah, he was really cool. Yeah, he came up to me and said hi. It was really cool. That's nice, man. So I want to bring it down and then bring it back up for the last couple of questions. You mentioned earlier, you know, a, a little bit of, you know, back and forth with Cesaro. Another thing that made the news a few years ago was, you know, yourself apparently having a couple of altercations. One with Simon Gotch, which made the news, and one with Chris Jericho. And apparently the news was that you get sent to anger management. If you don't mind, <laughs> I want to ask, is it true? That's the first part. And was it beneficial? If so. Yeah, well, yeah, I got, a, I got sent to anger management classes. That's true. That's very true. <sighs> Sorry, somebody called me. Yeah. yeah, I got sent to anger. I got sent to uh, anger management classes. That, that's true. And, uh, well, I had, to, I had to do it because uh, I had a couple applications throughout my career in, in the company. But, you know, the, the thing about about us is that, you know, as, as wrestlers, as performers, we may have a uh, disagreement one day and we can take it out on ourselves and then the next day we'll be fine. No grudge, nothing. It was just that for the moment and that's it, you know. And and I did have a couple of couples with some some of them. and But to this day, like me and Seamus, you know, really good friends. With Jericho, I have no problem. With Simon Gutch, I wish him the best. We're not friends, but I wish him the best. I don't wish him, you know, nothing bad. But it was one of those things that sometimes happens. We're men, you know. We're in a sport where you know you want to be number one, and you want to be the best. And I and I understand and I get it. But uh, but that that is true. I got sent to anger management classes. <laughs> I don't have an anger problem, but but I guess it was because I had gone through a few of those, you know, things, and then they just wanted to, in a sense, try to see if I if I needed help. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it's the kind of question I'm happy to ask you while we're on a video call. Maybe not in person. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's uh, that's great to hear because it's, there's always, you know, we mentioned earlier, rumours on the internet, so it's always nice to clear them up. Yeah. And just leading on from that, what was your relationship like if you had one with Vince McMahon? Did you speak to him much or was it, you know, kind of distant? No, I mean... He's, I know he's always he's always been a busy guy. He's a workaholic, man, you know, and, and, and I understand, you know, a lot of things that he does. And, you know, he's a businessman at the end of the day. And I don't wish nothing bad for nobody in the company. You know, I had great times there. But obviously, you know, there were there were a lot of things that, you know, that I wasn't, you know, compliant. I don't know how to say it. Like, I wasn't, I guess, agreeing with them, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I never went to his office and knocked on the door. Never. I never waited outside his office trying to see if he could talk to me. Why would I do that? You know, like I work for your company, you know, uh, I, if, if I work for your company and I'm putting my life on the line every time, I think, 
you know, we sh- we should have the time to be able to talk to our boss and and communicate what we want and how we feel. And and I don't think it was it was something that I was gonna do just wait there for two three hours to see if they could talk to me, you know, not like that. But the interactions that I always had with him, they were really cool. You know, I never had a problem with him. He was always cool with me. Uh, um, the time that I dislocated my shoulder, um, he I finished the match and I went to the training room and he came after the show was over to check on me to see how I was doing. And I said, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he's like, no, I know you're not, but you're a tough, you know, yeah. <laughs> he said another word and then he left and, and it was pretty cool, you know, but yeah, other than that, me, me and him never really had a, like a relationship in, in that sense, because I would, I don't think he was, you know, one of those things that I needed to do or knock on the door. If you're going to use me, if I'm your talent, then why should I have to beg you or let you know my point of view? If you already know that I'm here. You know, my abilities, you know, what I can do. And, and it was, you know, everybody's different, you know. But for me, in that sense, I I thought I never, you know, had to do it. Why would I have to do that, you know? Yeah, I understand. Definitely. I mean, that's why we have writers. You have all these people that, you know, before you get to him, those guys couldn't go and tell him, you know, hey, Vince, you know, this is what I talked to Sincara about, this and that. It was that those guys don't really care either. It's true. Yeah. They just get there to get paid, you know? Yeah. I've got two final questions. We'll bring it back up. Two very quick ones. You have worn many infamous masks. Which mask, you know, not you, it can be yours, it can be anyone else. Design-wise, which mask is the greatest mask you've ever seen? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> you've got plenty that. of them behind you as well to take inspiration I'm, I'm trying, from. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think. But there's, there's a few. I think one of the most which is considered, I was, let me show you, which is considered the best mask in wrestling is El Cobarde. I'll show you. This is the most beautiful mask that you could, I think the design and, and the colors and everything that comes with this mask is beautiful. This is, this is considered like one of the greatest masks or even the most beautiful mask in, in the history of wrestling. And, uh, I, uh, the first Cobarde passed away uh, really young, you know, he, he, he got, I think it was cancer, Miguel Angel Delgado, and then his brother, uh, Francisco Delgado, was the one that, you know, later continued the legacy, and then he was the one that actually believed in me when I first started wrestling in Juarez, he was the, he was that programmer for the, for the, for the show, The Booker for the shows over here and he was the one that actually saw talent in me and gave me an opportunity and then now he me i have to had, had to wrestle with Cobarde Jr. for a lot of time and now i got to wrestle with his grandson <laughs> with a lot of his grandkids i train with him so it's pretty cool but for me it's el Cobarde, the most beautiful mask you make yourself sound very old there you know you're definitely not but, <laughs> but you know you make yourself sound by saying i wrestled him and his grandson yeah. final question I've given you a lot of my highlights from your career. Looking back, if you can pick one thing, what is the one thing you're most proud of in your career? Being able to uh, forge a career out of what I love. Because not, not a lot of people get to do that. A lot of people have dreams and, and goals and, and they don't work in the things that they love. And, and I think that's the toughest thing. And, and for me, no matter what happens from here on, I, I can say that I got to live my dream. I got to travel the world. I got to give my kids a good life, you know, an opportunity to succeed, you know. So for me, that's the most important thing, my familia, my family, man. So 
Not only create your own legacy, but carry on a few others as well is always very nice. That's uh, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time. A lot of brilliant answers there that, you know, you've blown my mind with. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, then, uh, my pleasure, man. Thank, thanks again. Thanks, Gary, for uh, taking your time. And hopefully it'll be the first time of many. Stay, stay safe, brother. God bless. I hope to see you in Scotland. <laughs> yes, sir. Stay Excellent. safe. Thank you, man. All right. So that's it for the marks. Um, thank you very much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Apple for wherever you get us on your podcast. Oh, sorry, I'll start again. Sorry. So that's it for the marks. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can rate us, review, and subscribe on Apple wherever you get your podcasts. Some people have said some very nice things on there, so I think we've currently got a four point eight rating out of five. So in Meltzer stars, that's four and three quarter stars. So we're going to take that. We're going to take that. So thank you very much. Please keep the reviews coming in. We really appreciate that. Uh, Rab and Grado back on the main pod this Friday. A couple of things uh, are happening. Uh, we have a politician on the podcast this week. Um, randomly. Um, I don't know if you saw last week, boys, but Wrestling, The Undertaker and Ric Flair got a mention in the House of Commons. Um, a guy, Mark. Ric Flair, the Undertaker, was his inspiration for his job. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, Tony Paul. I have unfortunately read the full report. The, the like, not unfortunately, because it has a lot of interesting stuff in it, but it's yeah. lengthy. So, <laughs> yeah, did you read the whole full thing? Jesus, Gary, I got in for punishment. But Mark Aye. Fletcher, the guy who kind of proposed this, that there should, be, I mean, what he's looking for is a governing body for professional wrestling in the UK after. Uh, the fallout from speaking out movement last year um, and he's been working across it's a, a cross party uh, report that he's done so we're going to be speaking to him it's going to it's, it'll interestingly get quite serious but obviously we're going to, I'll be typical wrestling daft and God knows what will happen um, when we get a Tory politician into the wrestling daft universe um, I'll be really interested I'm really looking forward to the chat on that um, so looking forward to speaking to Mark on the show with Rab and Grado. List of wrestling daft we put to our patrons. Uh, what would they want us to talk about? The hardest men in wrestling or the top high flyers? I think you know what's probably going to win this category. Hardest <laughs> men in wrestling. Yep, 70% of the vote gets the hardest men in wrestling. Uh, Rab's going to be deciding that. What's it, who's it for you guys? I should say hardest person in wrestling. That, that, that was very, very unpolitically correct. Steve fucking Blackman from back in the day. Aye, I'd, I'd, I'd go either Brock or Shamrock would probably be the one. I'd say Ken, I think in a fight nowadays, Ken Shamrock would win because Ken Shamrock looks more ripped than Lesnar. Like it, it looks so much like Sylvester Stallone now, it's unreal. It just, <laughs> like, it just reminds me of him. But I, I would say uh, probably them, but one that I always think is a kind of surprising one that a lot of, you know, I've asked Bobby Lashley and, and stuff about, you know, people transitioning to UFC. Dolph Ziggler is one that I always bring up because he's got a quite a good amateur background and apparently can go. So <laughs> yeah, the Godfather as well because he won a certain. Did he not win a certain tournament? That uh... oh. we'll get the chat on this Friday's podcast. Something to look forward to. Uh, gentlemen, thanks uh, as ever for your company. Um, Gary, what have you got going on and uh, in, inside the ropes and on your Twitter this week? Um, hopefully, no more. Uh, still working, working away on a wee secret project that all will be unveiled soon. Um, but we did have a nice wee announcement on Inside the Ropes last night, where um, from this Thursday, if you go to your local WH Smith, you'll be able to pick up Inside the Ropes magazine. 
Um, so that was interesting just because, you know, Power Slam used to be in there, FSM used to be in there. Where is my local WH Smith, Gary? I don't you think can, I've seen one that's not next to a train station. Like in, if you're uh, Glasgow-based, I'm not sure if there's one closer to you, but if you're Glasgow-based, you can get it from Argyle Street or Sucky Hall Street. Um, it'll be in both of them. So uh, that's that's exciting, but it's not really directly related to me. For me, I interviewed Jeff Jarrett. That'll be going up in the next few days, a few articles for that. Um, and also, I'll probably just be sitting making rubbish wrestling jokes until there's some other good news so uh, wrestling gary for that if you're interested and no uh, i'll be reusing the jokes on you in the next few weeks anyway fabulous that's what we like to hear uh, <laughs> alex pictures of cats on your twitter i don't think i've logged into twitter in multiple weeks brilliant fantastic multiple multiple great well Sorry, uh, that's it for this week's show uh, thank you very much for listening and as ever you keep marking out. Audio Frontier. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.